I think both of us can probably drop some spicy peppers on this one. So we're not on Facebook. We de-platform from Facebook. We don't like Facebook. Beyond maybe just like the very like blunt nature of that, it's because in a lot of regards, Facebook is a social network. So the earlier point that Jill brought up is that's for audience building, right? Much like Twitter, much like any of these other public free connect with the persona, the brand, the personality. That's what those things were at least built to do and are more meant to do where like community building and community organizing is very different things. And it almost requires a very different technological implementation to be able to facilitate a peer-to-peer network, right? And to be able to foster that many-to-many interaction, dialogue, exchanging of information, small groups, one-to-one still an option. Like you can't do that. The technology just doesn't work as well to try to facilitate that level of relationship building and nurturing on Facebook or on Twitter or any of these other, again, social networks. So there are now emergent options for community building that are built for people like us and companies like us. We use Circle. There are others. Mighty Networks is another example. Increasingly, we're seeing, at least I'm seeing in terms of like an industry trend, a lot of content management systems and LMS, so learning management systems like Kajabi, Teachable, Thinkific, folks that have gotten into the market with creators and entrepreneurs, but on the content side, they now want in on community. So they're now releasing feature sets in conjunction with their base feature sets to try to move in that direction also. But I guess my central point is like, if you're going to build community, find a platform that is community centric or community first and don't leverage a social networking platform. The way we think about customers and growth is changing. Welcome to Customer Lifetime Value University podcast. Our goal here is simple. In under 30 minutes, we aim to give you an implementable strategy to increase your customer lifetime value. That's it. No fluff. All strategy. Hello and welcome to class, everyone. I'm incredibly excited to have not one, but two amazing guests here. We have Matt, who is the co-founder of SPI Media, and we have Jillian, who is the director of Community Experience. SPI is one of my favorite podcasts, so I'm excited on a personal level to uh, have them on board for that. They also make some world-class courses. So it's an incredible company. And Jillian, Matt, I'm going to give you guys the floor for a second to do a little intro of your own about where you guys are kind of coming from. I'd say the place we're coming from first is, you know, a real orientation toward membership-based products so that we can be closer and more integrated with our customer and be moving in, in more like lockstep with their development, their learning journeys, and our ability to listen to their needs, their evolving needs, and be delivering products and services along the way. Love it. I've worked in a digital community for a very, very long time. It's still the Wild West in many ways, but at the end of the day, customer experience is what it all boils down to. So I love talking about it. Yeah, I'm super excited, guys. We're going to be getting into specific things that we can do around community. I mean, it's such a hot button topic today. But I want to ask one question before, because I'm always interested to get people's perspective here. When you look at lifetime value, there's so many things that inform lifetime value. You can reduce churn, you can increase your average order size, you can upsell the people. So one of the things I always like to get a sense of is how do you guys start in approaching it in terms of if someone's like looking at this and they know that they want to increase their lifetime value, but there's so many possible routes to go, how would you kind of frame that? I would definitely emphasize churn at the outset, but I do want to move past that. Maybe we'll come back to it. The way that we think about it in terms of community and our company now being community-based, like like community products are our thing. We think about lifetime value in the up pathing, like the upgrades that we can help our members traverse 
from like an entry point membership that's at a lower price point, nurturing them, developing them, building their skill sets. They're more successful based on what we're able to provide in the interactions that we have with them through our, our experiences to Jillian's point. That then gives them a spot of confidence where they can then upgrade into a more advanced tier of our community, step two, and then maybe even our super advanced after that. Now, we need to be optimizing and stabilizing churn along the way. Absolutely. Like there's some bedrock stuff here. But if we do our job right, at least strategically, in being a guide with our students to become stronger, more successful entrepreneurs, they're going to upgrade along the way into higher tiers of our product offerings. And that's how we can maximize and begin to scale further our lifetime value. I love that. And and one quick question, how do you define, so community feels like community can kind of be this broad term. People say like, you know, we have a Facebook community, we have a Slack community. So what really does a community mean to you guys? I love this. I'll let Jill swing first on this. Yeah. Like me, Hermione hand up. For anyone listening. So I think the easy, the easiest, like most simple way to define community is, is it an audience or is it a community? And so audience is that one to many. It's a newsletter. It's a, you know, if you're posting on social media about something and then people are commenting, that's your audience. They're not talking to each other per se. They're not establishing relationships. Community is many to many. So I'm here and I've created the thing. You're welcome in, but the goal isn't for you to just listen to me with my megaphone. The goal is for you all to connect together and collaborate together and in many ways drive where the community is going. I love that. And so I think that so many of us, and I think this is going to lead directly kind of into the lesson that you guys are going to teach today for us. So many people right now, I think, want to create more community, but it's tough. It's tough to know, you know, you try to do it on Facebook, but you don't get a lot of reach. You try to foster questions on all these different platforms. So how would you guys go about using community as a lever to increase customer lifetime value? One very actionable way of doing it is to think about it and then deploy methods around like research and development, like your community, this ability to foster more integrated relationships in the many to many way that you'll just mentioned gives you as the entrepreneur, the creator, direct insight into how the demands and interests and in, in, in patterns of like problems that you're trying to solve for are changing over time for your customer base. So like as almost an R&D tool, if you think about community as a way to have immediate access to voice a customer, right? VOC is immensely valuable. And if you can show up with authenticity and you can show up with value, of course, inside your community offering and be solving these problems along the way, they're going to tell you exactly what you need to hear in the language that you should be using to eventually market it. Yeah, I love that. Questions that you did not think of because you're in the weeds, we're dealing with this right now, where it's like, we're launching something new and we unveiled it to existing community members first before the public. And the questions that come in are amazing because they understand who we are. And so they're like, well, what about this? And we're like, let me write that down. (laughs) Yeah, I love, it sounds like you, I mean, a big part of this, it sounds like you guys are incorporating them in as part of that journey, as part of that kind of development process. Now, one thing that hops into mind for me is, what is your take on curation? So I know that one of the hurdles that can sometimes happen in communities is people might say, hey, my community just became a customer support forum where people are kind of just voicing kind of challenges. And obviously that's an important to have access to that information, but how do you kind of view how to curate communities in an effective way so people are all expressing themselves, but also things don't become kind of weighted down? I think you have to ask yourself, 
what is the point of your community? And if you don't know that answer, then that's your problem right there. And so people are just filling the void with what they think they should do. If you have people in there asking those questions, then you know people value being able to give feedback, maybe ask an answer. Could you develop, are there members who are answering those questions? Talk to them and see if, you know, can they have a shiny badge and moderator privileges and they're an expert on your product, if that's kind of where it's leading, but also just model the behavior you want to see. So if everyone's just asking and complaining or it's feedback, like create a space specific to that and say, this is where that happens. Go there. Anytime someone posts something that should be in that space and isn't, you just make a comment and say, you know, beep, beep, moving this to where it's supposed to be. So you're training people like this. We're going to put them here, whether you do or not. And then I am kind of against the idea of community being about content and about producing content. It's not a blog. Again, it's not a one-to-many. I think you can make posts and talk about things and announce stuff or do conversation starters, but you shouldn't be thinking about it as a, oh, I have to make like two really long thought out posts a week. No, no, no. That is not what community is for. You can on occasion, like don't stop, but don't make that the priority. So even just icebreakers and things like that, try to just think of it as you're the matchmaker. We'll, we'll say like a friend matchmaker, right? You're just trying to get people to talk to each other about like whatever the topics are. But going back to ultimately, you need to have some sort of goal for this community that isn't just making money. There needs to be a purpose. Like why should people be here other than to provide feedback? So be super clear with that. I like that. And, and can you provide, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but could you give me some examples, I guess, twofold. Number one, examples of a specific goal. And then two, I'd love to know if you guys have any examples of like what a good icebreaker might be. Because I think some people are wondering like, how casual do I go? Is this like, what is your favorite book? Or is this supposed to be like tied to the product or service in some way? What's your so political love to get... affiliation? <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> do not ask that. <laughs> So do you guys have um, takes on on either of those two in terms of kind of examples that, that might work for people? Yeah, I'll swing first at, at the goal question. And it kind of ties in with Jill's last point, which is like, what is your point and focus for the community? And then I would add to that, like, how does that complement your business model? What is the point of your business model, right? So developing community and doing that well for a SaaS company like you guys have with Bonjoro, you know, is going to take potentially a very different feel and direction with maybe a different goal set then like for us, where like community is our product, it is the thing that we're investing in, it's the thing that we sell, it is the bedrock of our financial model, right? So, so it's a different thing that, that then will have a different set of goals to it, right? You may have, and I'm just, you know, I guess theorizing here, and, and maybe I won't pick on, on Bonjoro, but any maybe broader vanilla version of a SaaS company, maybe community is to be a bit more of a communal knowledge base. Like I'm not saying that that's wrong, if you put in the right guardrails, if you set the right expectations, if you put in other programming or experiential elements, that could actually be really effective. And maybe it's free or super cheap. And then there's a volume. Maybe you just want as many members as possible. So you have a very different goal. But for us to come back to the question, like, we don't want 10,000 members. Like, we genuinely don't because that would overwhelm us. It would degrade the experience. We would have high, that would, at least in theory, like bloat our churn. It would go up. Our lifetime value would crater. That's not what we're going for. So we're being more deliberate and more almost curated to repurpose the term in how we are recruiting and incentivizing members to join in the first place. So with SPI Pro as one of our community offerings, that is application-based. You can't just get in. You can't just put in your credit card and go. We have always been a very drip-oriented community, that particular offer. 
So we have goals. We want to grow that are both like retention-based and, and growth-based, of course, but we don't want 5,000 members in that community, right? We're actually only trying to grow into 1,000. And we have actually said publicly, when we hit 1,000, we're done. We're capping it, right? Now, like when churn happens, sure, we'll open up more seats, stuff like that. But our goal for SPI Pro, very focused, very deliberately, is 1,000 members. That's great. That gives some solid direction. And it makes sense, right? That it'd be very variable depending on on kind of the type or style of, of the company. And then what about kind of like, again, not necessarily the content, but icebreakers or conversation starters or the type of dialogues that you try to foster. And again, I understand that that can be variable as well by the style of community. But for people that are kind of tuning in and they're like, okay, I like this idea. They come up with a goal that feels like they're kind of aligned around, but they're kind of wondering how much should we be posting? How much are we kind of trying to conversation start? Or like, are we encouraging people to post? If so, how? Walk me through a little bit of the tactical pieces there that people can kind of walk away from this. And okay, here's some stuff I'm going to try that that might make sense for their community. It's the sky's the limit. Like you said, the most common answer in any community question is, it depends. So I'll give a a couple examples. But regardless of what kind of community you have, there's going to be a vibe. There's going to be a voice of the brand Matt can attest to. I generally am very like bubbly and just open and welcoming. Like that's my community persona, if you will. And I work in communities that that is the case uh, intentionally because it's naturally how I do community. And so fortunately I've been given a long leash with that because I can get kind of silly, but like we run like a professional on like paid entrepreneur community. That's what SPI pro is, but we still have fun in there. So I think give yourself permission to have fun. You don't want it to be too inappropriate. That's why you have community guidelines. But a good example of something that you could be doing right now as we're recording this is the World Cup. That's what it's called, right? Sports ball. And I never know. Uh, and I do know like Argentina one, the US one. That's about all I know. But you could be talking about that. You could have like, okay, who's who's on what teams and do like a little kind of like a bracket where it's just, you know, letting people kind of poke at each other and be like, haha, we beat you, Paul Linder, you know, whatever. Or you could also do something like when I'm thinking of a, a platform like yours. And if you had, you know, in a community, I think something great to spark conversation would be like, maybe people could post different messages they'd sent someone and where they flubbed, like just stumbled or something silly. Like what's, you could even ask it just as open-ended questions. And I think that ultimately is a great place to start. It also just a hot tip. It, it helps to have a couple of people in cahoots with you. If you're getting things started and your community hasn't figured out the rituals and how it works have a couple people ready to answer that question and you can just ask them privately. It's like people who are already active in your community be like, Hey, I'm going to sure. post this thing. Will you post an answer so that it's not crickets? Cause it's that group think once one penguins pushed off the ledge and there's no sharks and everyone else jumps in. So you could just totally. ask like, Hey, what's your favorite way to say hello on Bonjour or like just open into questions that when people are answering, they get to share about themselves, which they like hint, (laughs) but then also people can learn from it. Right. Because you might say like, Oh, you know what I love to do? I go out on a walk and that's where I do all my welcomes just in a row. So I'm getting outside and I'm doing it and and then I get it done quick or whatever. And someone might be like, Oh my gosh, I'm always dreading doing this because I have to make time, but I could, you know, get outside and you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd say open-ended questions. And then depending on the community, I tried this in pro and it was a flop, (laughs) but it was like such a hit in other communities. And the ultimate lesson here is just try things and you'll know, but like you ask it either or question and get people to answer one at a previous community. I was at was like hotly debated and brought up as like community inside joke all the time was if you liked candy corn, like candy corn, yes or no. And people will get really like saucy about, obviously it's a no. (laughs) 
because it's disgusting. <laughs> so if anybody said yes, you'd be like, ah, you know, but it's all for fun. Um, but that was a much like younger, more, you know, relaxed community in pro people are like, why do you want to know that about me? <laughs> but then I learned that and didn't do that again. So throw spaghetti at the wall. A couple things I'm walking away with. Number one is it almost feels like what you're describing, which is a combination of like, so if you're in like a business community, they're talking about business topics, but you're also not afraid to talk about these other human topics. Yeah. It's kind of like if people were to gather together for a book club, if you gather together for a book club, you're going to talk about the book, but you're also just going to share personal details about what's going on in people's lives. And I think emulating that is really powerful. We have a member, a woman named Joan, who runs a really successful membership community and she'll send videos and interact with people in her community about personal things exactly like you just described. Like someone posted that their kid just got into Harvard. She like sent him a video and she's like, that is so amazing. Like, congratulations. Like I remember two years ago or whatever when so-and-so was just starting this process of looking. And I think there's something really powerful for people to walk away with, which is that that authentic human side yeah. of a community is an important piece of why people keep coming back and taking that, you know, even though they're in a virtual space, making you feel like there's actually more of a relationship versus exactly. so many times where people are just posting, 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 and it feels very faceless. It feels very personality-less. That's really neat. And do you guys have insights on kind of the where question? So for people who are listening and the ideas are starting to bubble, but they're maybe concerned that, again, I'll use Bonjoro as an example. We have a Bonjoro community on Facebook, but it's not as active as we'd love it to be. And part of it feels like it's maybe we could curate it better. That's one part. But another part feels like it's maybe inherent to the platform of Facebook itself. So is there an angle that you guys usually take around where to go for community building? I think both of us can probably drop some spicy peppers on this one. So we're not on Facebook. We de-platform from Facebook. We don't like Facebook. Beyond maybe just like the, the the very like blunt nature of that, it's because in a lot of regards, Facebook is a social network. So the earlier point that Jill brought up is that's for audience building, much like Twitter, much like any of these other public free connect with the persona, the brand, the, you know, the personality. That's what those things were at least built to do and are more meant to do. Where like community building and community organizing is a very different things and it almost requires a very different technological implementation to be able to facilitate a peer-to-peer -peer network, right? And to be able to foster that many-to-many -many interaction, dialogue, exchanging of information, small groups, one-to-one -one still an option. You can't do that. I mean, the technology just doesn't work as well to try to facilitate that level of relationship building and nurturing on Facebook or on Twitter or any of these other, again, social networks. So there are now emergent options for community building that are built for people like us and companies like us. We use Circle. There are others. Mighty Networks is another example. Increasingly, we're seeing, at least I'm seeing in terms of like an industry trend, a lot of content management systems and like LMS, so learning management systems like Kajabi, Teachable, Thinkific, folks that have gotten into the market with creators and entrepreneurs, but on the content side, they now want in on community. So they're now releasing feature sets in conjunction with their base feature sets to try to move in that direction also. My central point is like, if you're going to build community, find a platform that is community centric or, or community first and don't leverage a social networking platform. That makes a ton of sense. And, and I guess a quick follow-up to that would be, how should people think about, so if people are listening to this and they kind of wanting to do more about community, what kind of resources do you typically advise someone to commit? So someone might be saying, okay, like, do I need a dedicated person? 
that manages or is this something that falls into the realm of someone on my marketing team or and they're thinking about okay do I get is it just like a circle and then do I have an employee doing this or am I hiring someone outside and I know again this is an open-ended question because there's a lot of variables like how big is it how much stuff is happening but I guess just to help kind of direct people who are thinking about this path of like how to approach it can you give any insight on how you would normally recommend people to kind of tackle the community problem if they wanted to get more serious about investing in it as part of their business. Goes back to the Jill, goal. I think you should answer. Yeah. I was gonna say, well, you, you should start by an- answering if it should live within marketing. <laughs> hmm. Not my favorite thing, but I also recognize a lot of, you know, depending where you are in your company or if you're solo or whatever, that might just be how it has to start. But please, 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 as soon as you financially can break it out and let it be its own thing, because it really is. And if you go look like my favorite thing to do is to rage look at job descriptions for community managers, because nine times out of 10, that's not what the job is. Like even the company It's like, we need someone who does social media and SEO and marketing and inbound and outbound and growth hacking. I'm like, so not community. Got it. (laughs) But to answer your question, I think it depends. But I think when someone's just getting started, again, what's the point? Like, why are you making a community other than it sounds cool and everyone else is doing it? And do you really need one? Facebook groups are great lead magnets, candidly, but I would never call it an actual community. No offense, because you don't own that. And you can tomorrow, the Zuck can decide to close your group and you will lose all that access. Hopefully you have everyone's emails, but it's still a bad experience. And it happens like it happens. You could get locked out. So just, you know, your mileage may vary, but I would say you need to know that community is not passive income. It takes work. You don't need to be in a community 40 hours a week, but you do need to have different programming set up, including everything from when people join. So, you know, what we call onboarding all the way to like just setting the vibe, having the rules of engagement or community guidelines. There's a lot to consider. And if you haven't done it before, it can be overwhelming and challenging. Like me, I can do it in my sleep because I've been doing it for forever. But think about that you're going to have to spend some time planning that out, but also be prepared to open the doors and then change it all instantly. Because again, it goes back to your community members help dictate what's happening and they'll tell you what they want for software platform communities, which I'm actually a huge fan of. So like you having a community to me makes a lot of sense because it really reduces the impact on your inbox. And then whatever manpower, person power, I should say, you have in answering questions and customer service things, you can offset with community. And that's where product communities are really valuable. Apple is my favorite example of like North Star. If you go to the Apple support forums, if you have a question, you Google it, it sends you straight to Apple. And the people answering those questions are volunteers. They might have, like we said, like they have the badges because they're super users because they love Apple. But nine times out of 10, like, yeah, the developers are paying attention, but not really. The day-to-day in there is just people helping people. And that's where it, it can be so valuable. So that's like an example of you set it up, you send people there. If they have issues, you need to have people in place to answer, but they don't have to be staff per se. You may start with staff. If they are volunteers, yeah. what's the incentive beyond just being a do-gooder, which is wonderful. It's like the best, like intrinsic motivation is the best thing, but they shouldn't feel like they're doing your job for you. So you have to figure out like, okay, it's a badge. Maybe they get a shirt, whether you want it to be a formal program or not, you know, there's lots of, lots of considerations. 
That's cool. And yeah, that's a great example. I think like getting your customers to be able to start servicing some of that demand in a sense, that makes a ton of sense. One kind of thing maybe to tie together some of these ideas. So let's say someone's listening in, they like this concept, but now they need to sell it to their organization. They're like, I want to do more community. But now, especially if we're talking about like a tech company as an example, they now have to go and they have to sell someone on the ROI of community. So we're talking about lifetime value. And I think that for most of us, like it intrinsically makes sense. If you build a relationship, if you have somebody who comes back, they're going to stick around longer. But how do you quantify it? How do you look at like people who are members of this community and then cross compared to people who aren't part of the community? Or if you were to kind of approach someone and have them trying to become a champion within their organization to get more community adoption, how do you think about the ROI piece? Cost savings. 100%. So I would go at it and say, get the receipts ready. So how much time, how much labor time is and like software requirements are spent solving problems or selling both of those things. Those can be drastically reduced. And I don't want to say eliminated, but pretty darn close by very supportive community. Also brand loyalty, which is harder to quantify. But if you can get someone in and they see you care about them and they have a place to go that isn't just a a form to fill out and then get an auto response and then three days later a reply. And like we all have that system. It is what it is. But if there's also a place they can go in a community to get information and answers, you're creating an environment where people are keen to use your thing because they know they can get help quickly and they know people care. And again, then the relationships start building and then you have this brand loyalty. For example, we're launching a brand new community right now. It actually, at the time of this recording, it publicly launches on Monday, but we already have a few dozen people who have joined because we did a sneak peek to our existing community members because they're important to us. And we wanted to give them first dibs at being a founder, right? And so we know that they already know who we are and there's that customer loyalty built in. So people were signing up as soon as we shared the link and like all the calls we did for this was more like, Hey, cause we very much build in public. So it was the calls were framed more as like, here's this thing we built. We're so excited. It launches Monday. This is not a sales call, but you do get a discount if you want to be a founding member. And like, as it's coming out of our mouth, you know, the, the kitching, kitching, like people are signing up cause they just can't wait. Cause they're so excited. We created something new. Like we, they're already loyal to us. Right. So you can like, as far as communicating changes, platform redesign, you know, all those things, you tell it to the people who care the most in a much more efficient way than sending out an email that someone's going to delete. Yeah, hundred percent. This is awesome. I, I think I've taken more notes on this podcast than I have on any other because it's something that genuinely is really important to us and we want to do more of within our brand. And so I'm soaking in all of these learnings. So as a final note, guys, if they, someone wants to get a hold of you, if they're interested in learning more about this type of thing, what are the best ways to contact your team? Jill, I'll throw it to you next, but if you want to check out all of the community offerings that we do have at SPI, and as Jill mentioned, we're now launching our third today. Or this week, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com forward slash community. And you'll get a chance to see like all three. We have a learner community for folks that are just kind of getting their feet wet, you know, uh, in the world of online entrepreneurship. But the big thing and the exciting thing that we're launching this week is called the All Access Pass, which is a journey-based supported experience that takes our members through our premium education. So our courses with community programming and guidance tied into it. But Jill, I'm sure you have some other thoughts. Well, and then of course we have Pro. 
which is our darling. So you can also just go straight to spipro.com. That is the one that's application-based. But that is where if you are, I would say, like an entrepreneur where you're making regular revenue, you have a small company or you're solo, and you're looking for the peer relationships. Like if you're if you're the person that when someone asks you what you do, you're kind of like, now I have to explain this again. Like I've j- I just say internet stuff at this point. Nobody knows what I do. I joked with my daughter. I was like, I work for the FBI undercover. <laughs> I don't. I don't obviously. But so that one is is kind of our our darling as far as like that's real. Like just the nobody's selling to you. It's just you can go in and you can talk shop. You can talk about lead magnets. You can talk about customer lifetime value. You can talk about MRR and nobody's looking at you glossed over like what? You can talk about what it's like to be an, an entrepreneur on the internet. So yeah, that's sbipro.com. And then Matt doesn't do social media, but I'm on Twitter at Jillian Benbow. Brilliant. For now, awesome. Anyways, we'll, and we'll include, we'll include some links in the show notes for everyone so they can go check out some of these things we talked about. But thank you guys so much for hopping on with me. This is an amazing chat. I think people are going to walk away with a lot of specific strategies to get more involved in community. So really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having thank us. You, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Customer Lifetime Value University podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Bonjoro, the world's first customer loyalty platform, giving you the tools to create customer loyalty and leverage that loyalty to improve your customer lifetime value. 